Dr. Paul Kalanithi, man, he had it going on. At the age of 36, he had already banged out 10 years of being a neurosurgeon. And, and because he worked with so many dying patients, those who were terminally ill, he always asked himself this question. What makes human life so meaningful? To face the hardships, to hear the news that you have cancer, to fall with fear, yet stand back up to fight with determination. He said many of his patients and their families would would rightfully vow to beat the grim odds, saying, Doc, we're going to beat this shit. And Paul would stand there and smile and nod in affirmation. But he knew most wouldn't win. The diagnosis was too, it was just too aggressive, too progressed by now. And there were some he could help, but others, others he could only make it more peaceful for him. Dr. Paul's job was that of precision. It was so precise, in fact, because he had to go in, into, into his patient's brains and, and, and remove blockages. And just one incision, a, a millimeter too deep, or if the scalpel is just turned just slightly incorrectly, the patient could, could lose motor functions and could no longer be able to speak correctly, if at all. And he said he knew this as a neurosurgeon that the deck is always stacked. And the secret, the secret is to know that as a neurosurgeon, that the patient's life may be in your hands, but death, death ultimately always wins. Whether it's right now or whether it's later, death is the ultimate outcome. So he said when working with the patients, he said a common question Almost every one of them would ask when he delivered the news of terminal illness. They all wanted to know the same thing. How long? How long do I have, Doc? And ironically, at the age of 36, the successful, powerful, up-and-coming neurosurgeon that he was, Paul found himself asking the same exact question his patients asked him. At the age of 36, Paul was diagnosed with stage 4 cancer, and he found himself asking his fellow doctor a question, a question he, could, he couldn't ever answer. How long? I mean, he had a 40-year plan. He had a 40-year plan. 20 years, he was going to be a neurosurgeon and a scientist, and the other 20, the, the back half, man, he was going to be a writer. And now that, now that plan's blown to hell. How long? How long? If I had some sense of, of how much time that I have left, it'd be so much easier. If I had two years, I, I'd write. If I had ten years, I'd get back to surgery and science. How long? He asked his doctor. You know I can't give you that, Paul. No one could answer Paul's question, how long he had before he died. So Paul was determined to live while he was alive. And if you think about it, death death isn't the worst thing that could happen to you. Not living while you're breathing is. He said, what a perfect gift for someone who who truly wanted to understand, and, and this was him, who truly wanted to understand what, what makes life so meaningful. What a gift it is to have terminal illness because what it ends up making you do is instead of trying to ask the question, it makes you, 
experience the answer. See, what ended up happening is, is he had to end up checkerboarding his values. One minute, one minute, one value was important, and the next minute, one value gets jumped and crowned for another for a higher priority. Paul said that, that death is a one-time event, but living and living with a terminal illness, man, that's a process. Tell me I have three months and I'll spend with my family. Tell me one year and I'll start writing a book. Give me 10 years and I get back to surgery and science. Everybody told me, Paul, take one day at a time. So what am I supposed to do with that one day? How am I supposed to invest today and spend it how? So how long? Paul didn't know. He didn't know when, when death would come knocking, so he began to realize that living had already arrived. So he picked all of his options. He and his wife elected to have a child. He financially got his family situated in order. And then he went back to work, performing what he loved to do, surgery and science, surgery by day, and then he was writing at night. Sometimes he was, he was sitting there writing in the dark and, and he had a, a blanket draped over his withering body. There were some nights he was just so exhausted from, from treating others and, and getting treatment himself that he was so weak that he couldn't even hold his baby girl. She would just lay in his lap and his arms were just too fatigued, his body just too worn out, where all he could do was just, all he could do was just look at her. Paul lived until he died. He lived until he died. He ended up walking away from his final surgery. He knew that that was it. But he never finished his book. His wife penned the final chapter, When Breath Becomes Air. Death is a reminder of time to us, you know. It's a limited time that we have. And you know, really, we, we pay no mind to the 24,000 breaths that we take each day. We take it all for granted until, until we're gasping for air. Our days aren't spent invested. They're, they're spent on pleasing others and losing ourselves in the process. They're spent on trying to get others to like us and that one to promote us. We've got to do this and, and turn in that report and get to this location. We've got to call someone else and just let them have it. We've got to get the latest scoop on the latest tea on social media. We spend time, but we don't invest it. As if we have it forever. How long? I had a guy the other day. Or a couple of weeks ago, actually, I had a guy stop me, and I was, I was just starting to run, just starting to get into my stride, and he pulled alongside of me and waved me over, and dude, I was pissed, because when I go running, I like to be in my own zone. That's my time away. That's my, my meditation, I guess, sometimes. And he had a question about his truck. It was innocent enough, and I answered his question, and, and he saw he had kind of irked me or pissed me off, really. And and he apologized. He was an older guy. He said, man, I'm, I'm sorry. I said, dude, no problem. I kind of snapped into it. I said, no problem. I said, it, it's all good. And I got back on the road, turned my music back on, and, and started running again. 
Just the other day he died. He died and, and I, I replay, I go right back to that day. Was my 45 seconds really so precious to me that I couldn't, that I couldn't have been a little nicer? I mean, hell, it's not like I was in the middle of the Boston Marathon or something. I'm just fucking running down the road. It's what death does, though. Death is a reminder. Death is a reminder. It, it reminds us how long. Michael, Michael Singer in his, in his book, and you need to get this book, The Untethered Soul, he says that, that when the angel of death comes to you and says, come on, it's time to go, you say, no, no, you're supposed to give me a warning. You're supposed to give me a warning so I can decide what, what I want to do in my last week. I'm supposed to get one more week and death and death will say, well, my God, I gave you, I gave you 52 weeks this past year alone. And look at all of the other weeks I've given you. Why do you need one more? What did you do with all of those? And you'd say, I wasn't paying attention. I didn't think it mattered. How long? Live today. Feel the sun on your skin. Listen to the rain pattering on the blades of grass. Appreciate the birds singing. The laughter's in the distance. Feel the warmth of your sun, or of the of the sun on your skin, man. Feel your baby's hand rested inside of your hand. They'll only be small for just a short amount of time. Live, laugh, share, man. Drink a beer, enjoy life, and just do the best you can with where you are today. So you ask the question, how long do you have? I can give you an answer. How long do you have? Now. Now is all you have. So be present. I'll catch you back here next time.